Okay, that's it. I have had quite enough of your car and mine being demonised in the context of climate, when in fact cars are less than 10% of the CO2 problem, and yet they cop seemingly 90% of the climate criticism. If you want to fight this, here are the facts. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get filthy CO2 belching new cars. <coughs> Cheap. Australia only. It's one of the very few advantages of living here, I'd suggest, in the same postcode as the Death Adder, the Funnel Web Spider and... <sighs> Starchy Voldemort. Just saying. Website? Card? Reach up there now, dude, and click it. See what happens. You might enjoy it. Probably not, but hey. This report brought to you by Manscaped. Male grooming, dude, it's a thing. Even at our age. And Manscaped is the clear global leader. All you need is the right tools, dude. Head to toe grooming, meet Performance package, the lawnmower 4.0 waterproof all over hair eliminator, and crop preserver ball deodorant. Hedges and hydration under control in minutes. And now you can be locked and loaded thanks to the new Manscaped high performance anti chafing boxer briefs. Form and function. Business or pleasure, work and play. More than six colour combinations too. Conservative black, grey, pinstripe for that all-important conference call. Black or gold highlights for Friday and Saturday nights. Bold or stealth, it's your choice dude. Personal favourite, gold nugget. I do love that one. You can buy singles or save with a three-pack. They look great, but the design secret here is the trademarked dual pouch. A dedicated safe space of sorts, some would say cradle, with a unique perforated fabric for maximum breathability. It's like you're wearing them and also not. That's a paradox. They're just well designed, dude. You want to be ready for anything. Whatever the day throws at you, it's about comfort and confidence and support. Work out of the day, job interview, whatever. Got you covered. Go to manscaped.com slash autoexpert today. You'll get 20% off plus free international shipping when you use the promo code AEJC at checkout. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code AEJC at manscaped.com slash autoexpert. Your balls will thank you. Okay, now that we're all comfy and supported, let's hear from T-Dub, one of my favourite sources of credible industry commentary. And the Spice Girls, who are somewhat nice to look at, even today, mostly. FCAI Chief Executive Tony Weber said Australia's light vehicle sector, which accounts for around 10% of transport emissions, needed a CO2 policy that is in line with global standards and takes into account the nuances of the Australian consumer's needs. Mr Dub there, Big Dub, the Dubster, 
speaking in his capacity as Poobah in chief for the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, <laughs> which is a sort of de facto PR agency for Toyota based in the Lobbyland sewer deep beneath the bullshit factory calling stridently for the new government to mandate what the industry is already doing, mainly for the benefit of Toyota, whom I'm sure T-Dub loves. I know I do. The FCAI also, amusingly, purports to represent the rest of the car industry, and in truth, the other car makers do fund them also. It's a healthy six to seven figure sum annually to join Automotive Club Grub, but the lesser car makers, you know, Mazda, Hyundai, Mitsubishi, Kia, etc., they seem just to roll over and take it while their lobby group takes Toyota into the private room for a, let's call it, uh, dance over and over and over like friggin' clockwork. Lap dance favouritism is an insidious epidemic deep beneath the bullshit factory. Anywho, to Big Dub, with whom I typically find myself in furious agreement, as you would know if you're a regular viewer, I'd say, I've got a couple of problems with this one, dude. As to this claim of, quote, <coughs> taking into account the nuances of Schittsvillian consumers' needs. Hmm. My sense of it is, you can't ride both beasts at once, dude. And I don't want you riding my friggin' horse ever, personal preference. If one lobbies for the car industry, by definition, seemingly, one cannot give a fuck about the consumer. Would that not be a conflict of interest? It seems so to me. Case in point, okay? All that reprehensible lobbying those guys did against the regulation of rollover protection in quad bikes and the stark apparent opposition to this stance, for example, to the consumer's need to remain alive after tipping one over in the back paddock just outside bumfuck and dying of asphyxiation in agony, obviously, over minutes to hours to follow. Shame on you on that one, FCAI. Personal frigging opinion. Secondly, the light vehicle sector being 10% of transport emissions, allegedly. You alleged so right there, dude. Like, it's in your official release. I'm not making this up. Unfortunately for this claim, facts still exist, and I know they're at war with bullshit, and bullshit appears to be winning, hashtag 2022, <laughs> but there are still some of us out here who quaintly think the facts should still matter. We don't work in their sewer, of course, so it's easy, perhaps, to forget that we still exist, I suppose. The light vehicle sector is cars like commercial vehicles, like utes and vans, and motorcycles. And it says so right here in this helpful information sheet from the bullshit factory itself, just upstairs, dude. According to more inconvenient facts, also from the bullshit factory, just upstairs, Australia's total CO2 equivalent emissions for the past six or seven years have averaged roughly 500 million tonnes. 
Transport, which includes planes, trains, trucks and buses, not just cars, is about 18%. So that's what? About 90 million tonnes out of 500 million. It's actually 93.5, but let's just use round ones, dude. There's also 13 or 14 million tonnes for international travel, and that's not in the greenhouse accounts for Australia. So that gets swept conveniently under the rug. That's all according to the three-volume National Greenhouse Inventory Report. It's a real bullet stopper, that one, should you take the time to print it out. Page 35, in this case, of volume number one of three volumes. Do try to keep up, T-Dub, because the facts do matter, dude. Road transportation is about 79 million tonnes out of 500. That's on page 45. But it's there, clear as a bell. And, inconveniently for Big Dub, I'd suggest, there's page 48. Right there, black and white. Read it and weep, dude. Passenger cars account for 40.9 million tonnes of CO2 equivalent. Okay, so let's call that cars for 41 million tonnes out of 500 million in total emissions and out of 93.5 million total transport emissions, of which 79.8 is road transport. According to the official data, which is there, and it's in black and fucking white, so... My assessment of this, which is based on mathematics, which you'd hope a 12-year-old could follow, T-Dub's claim is that cars are 10% of transport emissions. The facts, cars are 44% of total transport emissions, and they are 51% of road transport emissions, or about 8% of total national greenhouse emissions but they're not 10% of anything worthwhile, at least not that I can see. This stuff really matters, and that's so that you and I and everyone else in society who actually gives a shit about this stuff can get it in perspective. In other words, if the second coming of Jesus occurs, I don't know, next Saturday evening, perhaps at Rooty Hill RSL, and counterintuitively not Missouri, and his very first miracle this time around is to make every car in Australia miraculously zero emission, like unlikely, but let's say it happens, this miracle will reduce our national emissions by only about 8%. So essentially, we've got all these car makers and all these bottom-feeding leech-like sewer dwellers, such as the FCAI and the so-called Electric Vehicle Council, which is just another industry-funded bullshit lobby group swimming in the sewer beneath the bullshit factory. They're feeding this fire, the proposition that your internal combustion car is preposterously evil, killing the planet, and needs to be binned forthwith. The fact is... Cars in Australia are a greenhouse sideshow at best. The previous federal government, led by Coal Humper Six, the liar-in-chief, was heavily funded by the fossil fuel industry. But let's not forget, so is Albo's mob. 
Tackling cars, right, when umpteen new coal and gas projects remain greenlit is going to be, let's be kind, ineffective. It served the coalition's interests and it will serve Albo's mob's interests too, I think, to demonise the car so that the grubby fossil fuel industry can go ahead and do their evil shit with minimal blowback, basically. These coal and gas projects happen out there in the boonies, typically somewhere between Mount Bumfuck and Dingo Piss Creek, behind security fences over the horizon, typically out of sight. They're mostly thus intangible because you can't feel them or see them. They're not nearby, right? You can't smell them and scratch them and sniff them and all that stuff. But they are certainly happening and it is bad. But cars... Right. Cars are entirely tangible. Everyone has one. You get stuck in traffic every friggin' day. And buying fuel, that sucks. There's nothing uplifting about paying 150 bucks for the fuel and then declining the kind two-for-one Kit Kat meal deal that gets offered inevitably, complete with three-day-old rat-based pie, the origins of which were questionable even when it was notionally fresh. That's not funny. If these vested interest assholes, you know, the lobby groups, the politicians and the senior bureaucrats getting paid upwards of 500,000 bucks a year to craft policies aligned with the interests of the big donors to keep everyone happy, if they keep your climate conversation limited to cars, we can sweep the big problem under the rug. Yes. And the real problem is burning fossil fuel, right? Mainly coal to make electricity. 52% of the problem, that's not including the fugitive emissions from things like coal mines. So... Let's make that a nice round 61% all up of total emissions versus eight for cars. Simplistically, electricity in Australia, 310 million tonnes of CO2. Cars, 41 million tonnes. If we could reduce our dependency on coal-fired electricity by just 13%, That would be the same as the hypothetical Jesus 2.0 zero emissions miracle at Rudy Hill RSL this Saturday evening discussed earlier. The maths on this is pretty straightforward. So, pro tip number one. Australia effectively doubles its emissions by exporting coal, right? We export roughly enough coal to willing international buyers in places like China to deliver another 500 millions of million tons sorry of CO2 into the atmosphere greenhouse is a global problem and our exports are part of it that coal makes us a shitload of money so this is a very difficult problem to solve pro tip number 2 covid-19 was not all negative just there dude Between 2019 and 2020, emissions from passenger cars fell by 9.4%, compared with the impact EVs have had, or 
could hope to have until we get about 2 million of them on the road. COVID was the greenest thing that has happened to passenger vehicle emissions in Australia this century. Part of that was because we were locked down, and that's wholly negative, except in the context of your public health. But part of it was also because we were largely working from home where possible. Therefore, focusing just on the work from home aspect, why is there no climate-driven high-level policy with financial inducements for businesses which allow employees to work from home wherever possible? because this is a vehicle emissions slasher. You save 100% of emissions from any commuting that you don't do, obviously. You also save 100% of the tolls you don't pay, and you get two hours of your friggin' life back that day, and you reduce congestion and increase efficiency out there on the road. Like, you clean up the traffic flow for those who are forced to be out there in it in person, such as tradies and frontline sales staff, etc. Deafening silence on that disgracefully at federal and state regulatory level. And the evidence is in, right? It works. Pro tip number three. It costs you about 25 grand extra to buy an EV versus a roughly equivalent internal combustion car. For the same sum, you could install a frankly kick-ass rooftop solar system with a dirty big stationary battery, which could effectively eliminate your dependency on coal-fired electricity. You'd also get power failure protection with that, and power failures, we're told recently, are going to be a salient feature of the future. Yes. Something else to look forward to in our formerly advanced nation. The 25000 buck idea I'm putting before you now being you run your home on photovoltaics most days. Like God knows we've got the climate for it, right? You crank the air con, you heat some water, you keep the lights on and the hot tub nice and steamy, whatever, and you charge your big stationary battery. Only that battery's not that big in the context of EVs. See, you need 60 or 70 kilowatt hours of battery storage on an EV to deliver 400-ish k's of range. But you would keep your home humming along overnight with a quarter of that battery capacity, provided, of course, that you don't live at Wembley Stadium or something. If you want to put pressure on energy companies to leave coal behind, this is exactly how you do it. Not with an EV. What I'm suggesting here is the biggest energy fuck you imaginable. And hands up everyone who just loves their electricity retailer. Just saying. They're just as lovable typically as ExxonMobil or Chevron. Of course, car companies are just fucked at delivering things like this. To car makers, so-called vehicle-to-grid integration is just a nice idea, but it's too hard for them to implement, especially here in the ancestral home of the mouth breather. Thus, car makers are diligently overlooking the biggest possible and most practical inducement for buying an EV, which I could imagine. But then I paid attention during physics lectures, so I guess I'm in the minority. And 
Yeah. In this place, that's a character flaw. With the right software hooked up to a system like this, you could do what I'm suggesting and even sell electricity from your battery back to the grid when the price spikes. And if you want more on this, Google the term virtual power plant. Pretty interesting stuff. And when you're done sort of trading energy for the day, right, you can use a quarter of your EV battery capacity to be the overnight supply for your house most nights. You effectively trade 100 kilometres of mobility tomorrow or something, especially if you're just planning the normal running around of less than 50 k's per day on average. You're trading that off against running the house overnight without coal, okay? If you've got rooftop solar and an EV, you're already equipped to do this today if the car maker and your energy provider actually supported this kind of thing. And I'd have to say, it's not exactly that technical. It's just a matter of getting senior executive shitheads from both camps together in a room with a waterboarding specialist from the CIA, perhaps, or, you know, some other professional with high-level negotiating skills, someone disinclined to take no for an answer. This is the greenest thing an EV could ever hope to achieve. So I urge you to bookmark this concept. It is the most greenhouse effective thing an EV could possibly do for you to make Australia less shit. And I do love the idea of making the joint less shit, I must say. It's the best possible application for an EV because everything else an EV does when it's turning and burning on the road, or not burning, the burning's been done remotely, obviously, at a coal-fired power plant, but everything else an EV does for you, the transportation aspect, it targets just 8% of the emissions problem. And what I'm suggesting here by using it to supply your house overnight and perhaps even trading back to the grid that's a full frontal brute force assault on the corner penthouse of coal-fired central. Deafening silence on advocacy there from the likes of T-Dub or the so-called Electric Vehicle Council, despite these generally bullshit claims of, quote, accounting for the nuances of Shitsville consumer and his needs. They just want to sell more cars. Like, fuck the climate. That's outside their remit. That's how they roll in practice. At least, that's what it looks like to me. And this is what climate inaction looks like, right? It's about opportunity cost. Every EV that is not hooked up to the grid overnight is effectively part of the fossil fuel problem because of the good it could otherwise do on that front. Every commute that you have to suffer to work and back, if it's not necessary, promotes excessive fossil fuel use. We need to get off coal, right? And EVs can help potentially, but only if they get to hook up to one's house and by extension to the grid. Coal is the immediate problem, not cars. So we need to stop disproportionately demonising conventional cars, right? EV evangelists and the Tesla fanboys have far too big a megaphone on this one and it's unhelpful. 
Making the climate debate about cars is a smokescreen perpetrated by elite sewer-dwelling lobbyland bullshitters to further the grubby objectives of asshole political donors in the fossil fuel and other industries. In reality, according to the numbers, cars in Australia are a frigging sideshow. And on this, I'd suggest Albo's mob is just as susceptible to big donor bullshit coercion as the dickheads who preceded them. It's something for you and I to watch out for over the current federal political term.